The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So it will be also at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be out in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Be sure of this, if the master of the house had known the hour of night when the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and not let his house be broken into. So too you also must be prepared, for in an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so again, we begin Advent today, which is the beginning of the new church here. And as we do that, we're going to be looking the next few weeks to Christmas. And hopefully be focused on Christmas, Christ Mass. And so we're going to be looking at his calling and what that title Christ actually means for him and for us. But as we enter the season, and now it's after Thanksgiving, so you can appropriately play Christmas music. I shall allow it. Now that we're finally in the season of Advent, preparing ourselves for Christmas, let's be honest, we all love to see baby Jesus in the manger. It's one of the things we get excited for when we put him in the manger even here. But who is this child in the manger? Who is this one wrapped in swaddling clothes that the wise men come from the east, travel across the desert countless miles to worship him, while other kings will plot to kill him and anyone who stands between them and him? Throughout the scriptures, the Lord anoints his chosen servants. And he anoints them into three main offices, as you see, priest, prophet, and king. The priest is the one who makes sacrifice or atonement for the sins of the people. The prophet is the one who bears or brings and speaks God's true word. The king is the one who rules and administers the justice of God. And this babe in the manger becomes the fulfillment of these three offices, but in a yet greater way. Throughout the scriptures, you see, you see people being put into these offices, anointed into these offices, called out by God, but Jesus is the fulfillment of all three. In fact, his very name, Christ, this comes from the Hebrew Messiah, which means Messiah, which is the word for anointed one. He is the anointed one. The one who is anointed, who brings all things into himself, he's the one who in doing that is simply showing us what it means to be human. You see, from the very beginning, we were called, we were made to be prophet, to be king, and to be priest. And so that's what we're going to focus on over the next three weeks. 
And today we're going to focus on the role of the prophet, the one who speaks the word of God. And Adam is the first prophet. Adam was tasked to speak the true word of God and God's new creation. And it's Eve who's created after that point that he's first sent to proclaim that word too. The very command that God gave to Adam that you can have of any tree of the garden, but do not eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And he's tasked to say that to Eve, and then Eve is tempted, and the first thing the serpent does is he takes that truth and he twists it ever so slightly to cause Eve to doubt God and to doubt God's goodness and to doubt that God's truth was true. And so when the truth mattered most, there is Adam by her side, and he remained silent. He failed to speak up. He failed to, to truly embrace and live out his prophetic duty. And we have the same problem. Our problem as Christians is not that we speak the truth too much. Our problem is that we remain silent when the truth matters most. We, like Adam, have neglected our, pre, our prophetic duties to be a voice of truth in a world of noise and chaos. And it's nothing new. During the time of Noah, they failed to hear the truth of God's word. They were so absorbed living their own lives. They were so absorbed chasing after their own passions. They were so convinced that they could just enjoy this life for it's the life they had and they built around them a culture that, that was full of self-indulgence, that loved death and hated life. And so they were completely unaware when the waters rushed through their streets and homes and swept them away. They never saw it coming. And we too struggle with this. We, we struggle about trying to enjoy our life now trying to enjoy everything we can experience now. A world which is more concerned about being in the right. Not that it is right, not that it is truth. We've even cast out all truth. But instead, just to, to enjoy what I can enjoy and to make right what I want to be right. We've got to set up our own morality. Paul warns Timothy about this when he writes, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. Instead of hearing God's truth, we'll make up our own truth to justify the passions we want to experience, the things we want to do. And so the world revolves around us instead of turning to God and His true word which doesn't change. And though we, like Adam, have fallen silent when it mattered most, the Lord did not keep quiet. As soon as Adam falls, as soon as Eve falls, the Lord speaks a promise to them and to the serpent that the offspring of Eve will come forth and crush the serpent's head. When the people fell in love with themselves and chaos, God spoke 
to Noah and through Noah to that generation. When the people of Israel chose to worship false idols, God spoke to Moses and through Moses to proclaim the truth of God's word. When the people were clamoring, we want a king just to be like all the other nations, just like everybody else. God spoke to Samuel and through Samuel to offer his true word to the people. When the the people of God were torn between their faithfulness to the worship and temple and obedience to the Roman occupation, God spoke to the prophet John the Baptist and through him, preparing the way for Christ, the anointed one. We may have stopped listening, but God never stopped speaking. So much so that that word then, when the fullness of time had come, that word took on flesh and dwelt among us. He didn't just say it, he gave his only son who is the word enfleshed. And his very birth is a proclamation of the truth of God's word, of God's love for us, of his redemption, of his calling us constantly back to himself. And he brings the word into this world in the most unique way through the birth of a virgin. It's not the first time it's, uh, God would bring a prophet forth through a strange conception It's Hannah, who is barren, who is praying to the Lord to have a son, and the Lord gives her a son. And she dedicates him to the Lord, calls him Samuel, the very one who will then anoint King Saul and speak to Saul the truth of God's word, even though Saul wants nothing to do with it. And then a task to anoint David as king over Israel. It's it's Elizabeth, who is barren, who could not have children, who then conceives John the Baptist so that he could prepare the way for the Christ. And then finally, we have the conception of Christ, which is even greater, because it's not through a woman who is barren, whose child-bearing years have long even gone, but it's from a virgin who would be unable to have a child. And so even that way of bringing Jesus into this world is a proclamation, a proclamation that, that the Word is is now in flesh that this is a greater prophet than all the prophets that have come before him. He is the Word. The, the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, will talk about the events and circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus. But it's John who, who gets to the why or the what is going on when he says, And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And even in his birth then, we're already then looking towards his death because without the end in sight, his birth is meaningless. If he just was born and lived a life and his days came to an end, it would be nothing to us. But even in his birth, we are already looking to his death, even as the gospel proclaimed today. I love this icon. <coughs> you have Mary and Jesus. And if you look at Jesus in his swaddling clothes in a manger... It looks as much a casket and him wrapped in burial linens as anything else. Because even in his birth, the truth of his death and through his death, the redemption of all people is proclaimed. He, the one that the wise men came to worship, they came to worship the truth the immortal God who took on mortality, the word spoken from the beginning of all time that took on flesh. 
And while the wise men came to worship him, it's Herod who seeks to silence him. And how do you silence the word enfleshed? To kill him. Herod sought to kill Jesus, the babe in the manger, so that Herod could keep living his lie, so that Herod could keep telling his truth. And so Herod had Jesus and all the boys under two condemned to death. The world hates the truth. Because the truth of God's word will not let us remain in our lies. It calls us to repentance. And though the world may hate the truth, though the world may seek to kill and silence the truth, Jesus refuses to remain silent. In fact, John says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is his true word. That this word that that goes forth from him becomes something that leads us and guides us and, and affects our life, the path we walk upon. And that it is through that word, through him in flesh, that we come to know the one and only Father who has made us. This is a word the world would reject, but we embrace and we proclaim a truth in this world that would claim there is no truth. It's not a new claim. Look at Pilate. Before Pilate, Jesus said, Jesus said, for this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate replied, what is truth? What is truth? It's Jesus Christ. He is the true one. And as they sought to discredit him, and as they mocked him, and as they whipped him, as they put him on a cross to die, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He spoke his true word of redemption in the face of death itself. And so it's upon that very hill at the foot of the cross that once again the truth was proclaimed to the world in the face of lies. In the face of death itself, life was proclaimed. And he called out to us to repent and to receive that gift of life so that we too could be prophets once again. See, that's our calling in life. That is what it means to be human, is to be bearers of God's true word and to carry that word out into the world. As Adam had failed before us and as we have failed so many times, now again, Christ still calls you once again calls you to speak his truth into the world. He wants to show us what it means to be human. And he does that in this very place. We heard in the Isaiah read, come let us climb the Lord's mountain. He's talking about coming into the assembly of worship that he may instruct us in his ways and we may walk in his paths. It's in this very place where heaven meets earth that we hear God's true word proclaimed to us. And in hearing it, allow it to lead us in our ways from this place. That we may go with joy and excitement that we've received his word and bear it out into the world. That we would go out from this place into the the world and proclaim the truth of the Lord forever. The very word we received at the foot of the cross and the preaching of his word and the teaching 
of the church. In his dwelling place, the church. The Lord anointed you for that specific purpose. In the waters of baptism, he anointed you as his child. For those who have been confirmed in confirmation, he anointed you to receive his Holy Spirit so that you would listen to his voice and you would proclaim it with courage, with gentleness, and with compassion. Hear what Paul says to Timothy again. Paul tells him, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. That means all the time. Be ready all the time. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. It's a call to repentance, brothers and sisters. The true word of God is a call to repentance. But he doesn't say do it with arrogance and self-righteousness. He doesn't say we do it to burn people and tear them down. He says we do it with complete patience and teaching. He's talking about compassion. That as we have been led to repentance, that we may lead others to that truth. That yes, we are sinners. But God died exactly for that reason. My hope as Christians is we're never accused of being silent or arrogant. But honest. And committed to the truth. The very truth that killed Jesus. And the world acts no different to the truth today. But as you and I can testify to, we are here today because we heard the word of truth and were converted by his Holy Spirit. And by the power of God, it may just be that the Lord has put his word on your lips to proclaim to someone in your life, and by God's good grace and mercy, they too would come to know the truth we know. So may that be our focus this Christmas. Block out all the other noises. Block out all the other sounds. Block out all the lies and listen to his voice. Listen to his voice in this place. Come on Wednesday nights as we hear the readings of Scripture and we sing the songs of the church together and hear his voice. Read the word of God in your homes and be committed to a season of prayer that we may hear his voice. May the word proclaimed in this place pour forth into our homes and our families and in our lives so that we would be a vessel to pour it out into our communities, into the places God has placed us. And let us be people that rejoice in the truth. Sometimes the truth is hard because it, it forces us to be honest in our own failings in the times we've been silent. There are times we'd rather not, not hear God's word but keep living the way we want to live and enjoy what we want to enjoy. But let the Lord this Christmas restore within us that love of the truth. And in doing that, restore us to what it means to be human. And so my prayer and encouragement for you this Advent season is that you devote yourselves to hearing God's word. That would you, you would devote yourself to trusting God's word. And that you devote yourself to proclaiming his truth. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.